So who are you going to serve? The one that brings the bad or brings the good? I want to serve a good, good God, amen, who is alive. He is alive. And because he lives, we have much to celebrate. Hallelujah. We're going to look this morning in the Word of God. In the Word of God, the Bible says, describes it in one aspect, that the, the Word of God is like water, and it washes us clean. So there's a washing of the Word, of the, of the water of the Word, that we have when we come to the Bible. Now, when, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament before uh, the crucifixion and all, we, we see they, they traveled by foot a lot. And they wore open-toed sandals, and the, the streets were not paved like ours, but they were rocks and, and stone and dirt, and their feet got dirty. The world got on them. So much so that, you know, on the night uh, Jesus was betrayed, uh, or the Passover meal that they went to gather together, there was nobody washing feet. That was a very common thing to have somebody there to wash your feet because the world got on you as you walked through the world. And it would wash your feet so that as they reclined together, they wouldn't have those dirty feet uh, around uh, as they reclined the way they did. Well, you know, when we walk through life, some of this world sticks on us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you go through life, there's stuff sticks on you. And as we gather here every Sunday and as we gather here every Wednesday, uh, there's a washing of the, of the word. The water of the word washes us. It cleanses. It gets that world stuff that's trying to stick to us. Uh, off of us, and, and so you're going to leave here refreshed. How many of you feel refreshed after a shower? You know, you get a shower, and uh, I know we were visiting with Sister Marilyn, and you know, she'd been in the hospital and all, and she said, I took a shower, and oh, I felt like a new woman, she said. I just felt like a new woman, and, uh, and, I, and I know that feeling. Uh, but you know, some showers, you know, those uh, home builder grade shower heads they put in there, and you get in there when you buy your home, and and they cut it on, and the water goes everywhere but in the middle. <coughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, water's going over the shower curtain, water's going over on the wall, but I can't get wet, you know. And uh, you feel like you got to run around in the shower to try to get wet. Well, what we try to do here, we tried to get one of those, uh, what is it called, a rain shower head? The big round one that's got like a thousand holes so that that thing just drizzles down on you and gets you wet and gets you refreshed and cleaned up. That's what we try to have here at Christian Embassy. We try to have that big rain massage shower head, the upgrade, so that you can receive the washing of the word and feel refreshed for this week and go into it. And uh, so let us go into the word of God, knowing that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our faith is going to go to another level. Here in these next 20, 30 minutes, our faith is going to go to a whole nother level. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And with faith, you can reach in and appropriate, take hold of all that Jesus has provided for you. So everything that Jesus has died and went to the grave and buried and resurrected on the third day, everything that he did in his death, burial, and resurrection to provide for you, by faith you can reach in and take hold of it, appropriate it by faith. So this is a miracle moment that we're entering into. So I want you to recognize that there's going to be a washing of the word, and then there's going to be faith rising, and you'll be able to reach out and take hold of something that God has for you that maybe you didn't have when you came in here. Here in Matthew chapter 28, We'll have the scripture overhead for your convenience if you'd like to look. And after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. 
For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men because the angel answered, uh, became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen, just like he said. He is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. He is risen. He is not dead. Hallelujah. And then in John 14 and 15, here Jesus speaks uh, in, after his resurrection and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him, for he will dwell with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you a little longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. Hallelujah. I've just entitled this this morning a very a simple message title, but it's one very fitting, Because He Lives. Because He Lives. And I want us to just look at several points that we can uh, take into our personal lives and apply uh, uh, to us because He lives. And, 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 I, and I really was stimulated and, and, and encouraged and inspired by a, a song that was written when I was six years old. When I was six years old, I didn't know it was being written at that time, but it became very, very popular. One of the most popular ever written by Bill Gaither, and Bill and Gloria Gaither just so well known in Christendom for God using them to birth hymns and choruses and gospel songs uh, that have just touched lives all around the world. But he wrote this song in 1971, Because He Lives. And it, the first verse says this, God sent His Son... And they called him Jesus. He came to love, to heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. And then the chorus goes like this, and you all know it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future, life is worth the living just because He lives. Hallelujah. So we've entitled this Because He Lives. We're going to look at these four uh, uh, aspects of that so that we can be inspired, encouraged, and, and I would say equipped to go in this week and live victoriously. So the first thing I want to say is life is worth the living just because He lives. Because He lives... That just as the Course says, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Our yesterday is gone forever in the tomb of time. You cannot go back and take hold of your yesterday. And your tomorrow is yet in the womb of time, and there's nothing you can do except wait it out to see what your tomorrow holds. But the moment that we have right now will affect our tomorrow. And what the moment we have right now can help take care of some mistakes we've made in the past. 
So the moment we have is right now this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, as we sit here at Christian Embassy. And the moment we have is before our God. What are we going to do right now as we sit here in the presence of our God and are we going to yield our lives totally to Him or are we going to continue to try and do it all on our own? Because I'm here to tell you, the Bible says you don't have a promise of tomorrow. James 4, 13 and 14, he, the Bible says, come on now, some of you say today, tomorrow I'm going to go do the such and such city, I'm going to travel here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell, I'm going to make a profit, and, and you think that's what you're going to do. He says in verse 14 though, but you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. How many of you know time passes very fast? This past Monday, we, uh, our kids uh, were out of uh, school uh, for a day off, and we took them to Bush Gardens. And uh, our oldest one didn't go. He stayed and worked. He's in college and, and, and also working with the business. And so he was going to stay and work and, and so forth. So we took the smaller ones. Well, the smaller ones are not small anymore, you know, and they're now tall enough they can ride all the rides. So when we used to go and take the kids, we used to look at these people that would sit on the benches and, and, and in the shade and just listening to the music and people watching. And we would look at them as we had the stroller and the bags and the bottles and all the stuff. And we're trying to go up those hills and, and everything. And one not wanting to ride the stroller and the other one crying and dragging around. And we'd look at those folks and say, oh, that must be so nice. That must be amazing. To be able to just sit there in this beautiful place, one of the world's most beautiful parks, and just sit there in the shade and enjoy. Well, here, this Monday, Pastor Rodica and I are sitting on a bench <laughs> in the shade. And we're like, we looked at each other and says, we become them. We become them. And there was a daddy going, pushing the stroller, and the mama was saying, no, not that way, this way. And the dad was like, okay. And he said, and she said, no, I was talking to the kid. And I was like, that was us. That was us. <laughs> and they were struggling, trying to keep the family together. And those strollers were like, I know how to work that stroller. If you push those two buttons there, that whole big monster will collapse into a one by one. I know that stroller. We had that one, you know. And we're just looking at this stuff going, wow, where did the time go? We're not old yet, but we're sitting there like the old folks do, you know. Hallelujah. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. It says, what is life? It's like a vapor. It's here for a little time, and then it vanishes away. I want to ask you today, are you prepared for your tomorrows? Can you face the insecurities and the uncertainties and the challenges that we yet not know uh, that may be around the corner? Can you face it with nobility and character and grace and hope? Can you face it with integrity and faith and assurance and power? I'm here to tell you, you can. You can face whatever comes around the corner and you can face it knowing that the victory is already yours because He lives. Hallelujah. But the key to it is, he, even though He lives, the question is, have you invited Him in to live in your heart and in your life? Because if His resurrection presence is not welcomed in you, then you're not going to be tapping into the resurrection power that was available for you. Do you understand that? There are areas of our life, every area needs to be His. I remember back in college, this is the uh, mid-80s, 
and uh, I was in college all day, and I'm working to pay for my college, and in order to make the money needed to take care of everything, I couldn't just do a regular, you know, by-the-hour job. I needed to be an entrepreneur and make some bigger money, so I, I, I picked up the trade uh, of hanging wallpaper. I got really good at it, and I went and negotiated with these apartment complexes, high-end apartment complexes that would uh, re-wallpaper their uh, apartments when people would move out. They'd put new carpet in, paint it, and there'd be some uh, uh, studio walls and so forth that they would put the wallpaper on their kitchens and bathrooms. They would wallpaper. So there's like 500 units. So I always had a list of units. The wallpaper had a master key, and I'd go in at night, uh, while I'm out of school, nobody's living in these, so I'd go at night and I'd wallpaper three, four, five, six units and make really good money that helped pay for college and it worked on my time schedule. Well, there was this one manager of one of the complexes that uh, really liked my work. Now, I just went out and you might know on Easter Sunday, what happened? There we go. Like, wait, you, you, you know the music went out. You expect it. And if you only come to church on Easter, you think they always have sound problems. But that's just, you, you got to come on the regular, it's only on Easter, okay? Let me just encourage you, it's not like that every Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what it, why that happens. But this particular manager, she said, uh, Tim, I really like your work. You, you're amazing. I mean, these are apartments. You could cut some corners. And I went, look, you cover the light plate covers and matches the floral design or whatever it is. And did you can't find the light switches and the plug-ins. They, they're just all camouflaged. You really got a good touch. I'd like for you to give me a bid on wallpapering in my home. And I said, uh, well, you know, I work uh, at night, and that probably wouldn't work out. She said, well, yeah, we can do it on a Saturday. Try to do it on a Saturday. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'll give you a bid. So she gave me her address, and she gave me her key, and she said, now, uh, and I'm getting ready to walk out of the office. She said, uh, Tim, one moment, now come back here, close the door. So I came back, and I closed the door, and she said, come here, come here. And I'm like, yes. I walked up to her desk, and she's like whispering, and she said, now, when you go in the house, and you go upstairs, and you go on to, to the top of the stairs and turn right, there's three doors. The third door, don't go in there. I want you to go and measure all these others and tell me how many rolls it would take. But that third door, don't go in there. Now, I'm a Christian back then, and a good Christian would have said, okay, and obeyed that. But I went to her house, not even remembering it, and I went upstairs, and when I got upstairs, and I'm measuring in the hallway, and then I'm measuring, and when I stopped and looked to the right, and there was one, two, three, that doorknob started talking to me. <laughs> and the doorknob says, uh, make sure you come in here. And I said, oh, one, two, three. No, no, you're not. I'm not supposed to go in there. And he said, oh, but if you could only see what's in here. And I said, no, I'm not supposed to. And I would wish to tell you I was so sanctified that I just rebuked that thing in the name of Jesus and turned, said, Satan, get thee behind me. And I took care of my business. But I still was a work in progress, I'm telling you. <laughs> And I, and I kept saying no, and I'd measure, and then I got to the second bedroom, and I measured it, and the, the first bedroom, the second bedroom, and I come out, and then it was time to leave, that doorknob talked again. I mean, it actually did. And it says, you forgot about me. And I said, no, I didn't forget about you. I'm not supposed to go in here. And it says, you got to look. you got to see. Oh, it is amazing. So I gave in to temptation. Lord, forgive me. And I opened the door, and it was a greenhouse of marijuana. There was marijuana trees and lights and colors and scales and all kinds of stuff everywhere. 
and I slammed the door back. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Wow. Wow. I mean, the, the state of Colorado had nothing on this house. Nothing. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And uh, so I don't remember how I handled it. I think I gave her a bill that was so high that she never even asked me. I slid it under the office door and I overpriced it so she wouldn't hire me. And, uh, and she never mentioned it. I never mentioned it. That was the end of it. But I'm telling you what, to this day, wow. But then I got to thinking, how many of us, come on now, have a third room, whether it's in the attic, the basement, on our computer, that we've got a door that we don't invite Jesus in. Jesus, you can come in my whole house, but you can't come in this room. Think there's a mess in there. There's something I know you wouldn't be pleased with. And we think that we can have a relationship with God and enjoy and employ all the blessings and the favor and the privileges that God brings to us with keeping Him in the front room only or in part of the house. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, the Bible specifically details it this way. And God says by His Spirit to the Apostle Paul that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Now he uses this word Lord, which means He who rules and reigns everything. I surrender all. Anybody remember that song? I surrender all. That's what you're saying. I've surrendered every room. I've re re uh, surrendered everything to you, Jesus. I come under your lordship. And when you come under his lordship, then you are saved. The sozo, the healing, the blessing, the deliverance, the promotion, the divine, uh, our divine eternity, all of that comes under sozo, that word sozo that we get word salvation from. All of that is ours when we confess his lordship over our lives, meaning I've surrendered everything, even that third door down the hallway that has stuff in there that I know is not pleasing to you. And Jesus, don't anybody in here got a junk room? Three people, you bunch of heathens, you know good. I'm coming to your, who, who didn't raise your house? I'm coming to your, who didn't raise your hand? I'm coming to your house. And I want to go visit all your rooms, okay? Most of us have a room that we close the door when the guests come in. Now for us, I, I, I tell you what, I forgot I'm prophetic and I got to be careful what I say because it comes to pass. When we built our house, I, you know, I wanted that front room. Because the parsonage we had over here, you could open the front door and see the toilet. And if you didn't close the bathroom door good, or you just thought you were in the privacy of your home, we had a lot of church folks who were very bold. And if you didn't have the door locked, they'd just rush right in, and there you would be um, saying, uh, excuse me, could you close the door? This is my home. And they thought because it was a parsonage, they owned it, and they could come in whenever they wanted. And if I forgot to lock it, so it was. So when I got built my own home, after 12 years of living in the fishbowl, I said, you know what? I'm going to have a, a welcoming room, a room that we keep in order, a room that if someone comes unexpected, I can welcome them right in. But I'm going to call it the music room 
because I love grand pianos, and I'm going to have this big grand piano here, and it's just going to be our showcase. We may can't play it, so I bought a player piano, so it actually will play itself, and, uh, and, and set it there, and then my wife, Pastor Rodica, we were in the store, and she picked out this sofa, and it was so fancy and so girly. I said, that thing can't stand up to nothing. If somebody sat on it, it'll lose its pretty. I said, she said, but this is going to be our guest room, you might would say, our welcoming room. I said, okay, we'll get the little girly, prissy little sofa. And uh, so we got the girly, prissy little sofa, and we got the grand piano and the oriental rug, and everything's fine. But I mistakenly called it our music room. And by calling it our music room, it set into motion these three little monkeys that God gave us that would rise up and they would want to be musicians. And now when you walk in, there's, there is a grand piano hidden back there somewhere, but there's keyboards and there's bass guitars and there's acoustic guitars and there's electric guitars and there's guitar stands and there's a mandolin and there's a violin and there's amplifiers and there's music stands and there's, oh my, it's, it's just, and, and that little prissy sofa that couldn't stand up to anything, well, they've all sat on it playing and, and rocking out and now it's all broke down and, and, and it's the room that you open up into and it's like, oh, now what are we going to do when somebody knocks on the door. You know what I'm talking about. We've got our rooms that we will make available, but then we have the rooms we close the doors to. Well, let me tell you what, Jesus Christ is alive, and he came forth from the tomb with victory that he wants to bring into your life, but he only can bring it into your life if you invite him into all of you. Is there a compartment? Is there a file? Is there a room? Is there a a part of you that you have locked him out of? And you think that I can have the benefit of all that he has, and I'll just deal with this one myself. This is my messy room, and I'll get in here one day, and I'll straighten this stuff out. One day I'll fix this, this mess that I'm in. One day I'll get freed from this bondage. One day I'll get over this anger and bitterness. One day I'll get freed from this, whatever it is. But until then, Jesus, you can't come in here. And what you don't realize is even though the tomb is empty and there's resurrection power for all of you, if you don't surrender all of you to him, he's not going to come in piece bit uh, and, and piecemealing one place at a time. He says, you must confess my lordship over your life meaning you surrender all. So on this Easter Sunday, I would say as the angel came and that earthquake uh, rolled that stone away to show uh, Mary and, and them that Jesus was no longer there and that there was resurrection power available, I pray that you would roll the stone away from whatever area of that life is that's been bringing death and destruction and heartache and brokenness, and you would open it up and invite the resurrected Jesus in to bring resurrection life and power and deliverance into that area of your life as well. Amen and amen. Because He lives... I'm here to tell you today, because He lives, we can face tomorrow. And because He lives, we also can know that all fear is gone. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live under what the enemy tries to uh, scare us with. 
He was Ira Stanfield. He was an Assembly of God pastor. He lost his wife, and it seemed like his whole life had collapsed, and he was really down, and he asked the Lord, and he said, God, what am I going to do? She and I were working strong, hand in hand together. I don't see any way forward. And the Lord says, I, and the Lord spoke to him, and out of that, he wrote this song. He said, and it goes like this, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today he walks beside me, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. Hallelujah. So let me tell you what, when you know that God, you're, you're hand in hand with God, there's no fear. No fear can come. In 2 Timothy 1 and 7, he says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I used to live in this fear. I had a phobos in my life. I'm telling you, this fear, it was a spirit. And it came in when I was a little boy. I was eight years old, and my brother was nine. My sister was three. My father was law enforcement, and he went on call that uh, Saturday, and he left us, and he was in uniform, and he left that morning, and he never came back home. And then we get word he's in the hospital. He's 31 years old. It was my mom's 30th birthday. They come, and they rush my mom to the hospital to be with him. And what had happened is he'd been in an accident. And the shot had hit him in the back of the neck at the base of the spine of the brain and had shattered and splattered all of his nerves. So they'd gone in, take the slug out, and the doctor said they cut those nerves off because they were just so uh, uh, scattered and splattered, and they tried to trim everything up. And they said, if this man lives, he'll never do anything but move his eyes. That's all he'll ever do. At 31 years old, three little kids. And uh, here we are at home, and we've taken my grandparents, and, and, and we don't know what's going to happen, and, and our life changed. It just changed. And I know he was in the hospital, I think it was a year. My mom was gone for months before we ever saw her. And when we first went to see her at the hospital, we saw my dad all in a body brace and neck brace because he couldn't hold himself up, sitting up in a, a, a bed and just blinking his eyes. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was traumatic for a little kid. It was traumatic. Our whole world was flipped upside down. Our father, who was in law enforcement, he, he, he carried a 357 Magnum and a big shield and had the fast car, souped up car, you know, and, and he was stronger than life to us. And now, here, there he was. This is the man that we would hang off of his hand as he would lift, lift up his arms like this. And my brother would get on one and I'd get on the other. And he'd just lift us up and we would do, we'd use him as a monkey bars, you know. And he'd play and, and, and we'd wrestle him down on the ground and he'd let us pin him. Because I know he had to let us because uh, he was stronger than us. Now he's up there blinking his eyes. Everything had changed. And a long story short... Uh, in a little over a year, whereas the doctor said he would never move anything but his eyes again, he did walk and he did go back to work again. And, uh, and they couldn't figure it out. They said his brain must have turned into a remote control and started remote controlling his muscles. That was their explanation rather than saying God worked a miracle. But I, I know through that event, the enemy brought this uh, to me that that life can truly be ripped out from you at any moment and it can change everything. And it opened the door for fear. And I had this open door fear where I was trying to be strong in so many areas. There was this one area where that fear was. And where there's fear, the, it's an open door. The enemy brings other spirits. That spirit of fear brings other things. And it started bringing a spirit of infirmity. 
And sickness and disease started coming into my body. And, and things got so bad they wanted to do exploratory surgery and so bad with my feet that I'm asking them to amputate them. They're wanting to have psychiatric uh, tests run on me because who wants their feet cut off? And it, this all in his mind. And, and sickness and disease was coming into my body. And, and I was just a young man and it was like, I'm going to die early. I'm going to die early. And when I got the revelation... That, that Jesus Christ, because He lives, all fear is gone. If I would just take this fear, that room, and open the door and say, Jesus, here, I'm living in this, with this fear. It's got me in bondage. Would you come in and bring deliverance? And as I yielded to His Lordship, let me tell you what, He came in, and when He came in, that fear left like a scared dog running out. And the spirits of infirmity went with it. And in the name of Jesus, I began to see a whole different life. Now, God's no respecter of persons, but because I was harboring that fear, that fear was bringing in other stray dogs, you might would say, or stray cats of spirits of infirmity and, and poverty in my life. But I had, to, I had to invite Jesus into that room of my life. And when He came in, all fear is gone. That's why Hebrews 13 and 6 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If God be for me, who can be against me? And let me tell you what, I don't know what you're facing today, but I'm here to tell you what you need is Jesus. You need the resurrected Christ to be lifted up high as Lord over your whole life, over every area, over the attic, over the basement, over that third bedroom where you've been locking Him out. You need to bring Him into every area of your life and say, Jesus, I make you Lord over my whole life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then you can see the power of God and His anointing working in and through your life. The third thing, because He lives, we know He holds the future. Because He lives, I know He holds the future. You don't have to worry about your future anymore. You don't have to worry about what's coming next anymore. You don't have to worry about who's in office, who's not in office. You don't have to worry about who's on the Supreme Court, who's not on the Supreme Court. You don't have to worry about what the Dow's doing, the Nasdaq's doing. You don't have to worry about any of that. Because if God is your supplier, He can supply you in the middle of a wilderness where there is no rain and there is no food. And He can rain bread from heaven. And He can bring water up out of the rocks in the middle of a desert. Let me tell you what, when God is on your side and you're on His side, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. I hear these advertisements sometime and they seem to be tapping into the fear of, of the unknown, saying, if you'll come to this dinner, if you'll come to this lunch, we'll help you because more than likely, you're not going to make it. Your retirement funds are going to run out. You're not going to be able to uh, uh, live the same lifestyle that you've been living. You're not going to be able to uh, maybe keep your house. You need to come and help, let us help you. And sometimes I think, well, if I got $30 and I come to you, and you go, what are you going to help me do with the $30 that's going to help me live the same lifestyle for the rest of my life. I understand what they're doing, but when they tap into that little nudge of fear and they start saying, well, I know someone and, and they start giving the horror stories out there, it can definitely get, if you're not careful, it starts getting on you. And now we need to be wise. Yes, we do. But you know what? I've learned this, that God has fed me and provided for me when people said it'll never happen. Here's a poor farm boy from the wrong side of the tracks who his family's never been to college. It'll never happen. But God made it happen. This is a farm boy that if he did get a college degree, he'll never get his master's degree. It'll never happen. But it did happen. Here's a farm boy that, that grew up with no shoes all summer long, wearing barefooted all summer long, working in the field 
heels, stepping in stuff that don't smell too good. This is the little farm boy. He never would have a PhD. It'll never happen, but it did happen. Here's a boy that'll never get married. He'll never marry up, you know. He'll never marry up. Oh, did I marry up. Hallelujah. They said it would never happen, but it'll happen. They said you'll never have kids. If you're a preacher, you'll never have kids that'll serve God. PKs are the worst kids on earth because they're rebellious and they're mad. Well, I've got three. They love Jesus and they worship Him when I'm not even worshiping Him. I'm telling you what the devil says is a lie. You can have anything and everything when you're doing it with Jesus. Hallelujah. Because He's your provider. He's your provider. What a good, good God we serve. You know the song, He's got the whole world in His hand. He's got my whole world in His hands. Does He have your whole world in His hands? If He doesn't, then you have, you have cut Him out of bringing all that He brings, that abundant life, from you. Hallelujah. Open your heart. Open your life. Open your attic. Open the trunk. Open that file and say, Jesus, come into this mess and help me. I know some people say, when I get it out, my house all cleaned up. This one family I know, they said, when I get my house all cleaned up, I'll invite you over. You know, it's been 12 years. <laughs> it has. And I talked to them recently and they said, oh, when we get a house all set up, we'll have you over. And I just smiled and said, oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> oh, at your funeral, I get to go through your house. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll go to that third bedroom and say, what's back here? No, I won't. And finally, because he lives, we know now life is worth the living because he lives. The resurrection reminds us that God's purposes are eternal. His will is beyond defeat. That right will triumph wrong and truth is greater than error. And that life is stronger than death. That even when death does come, to be absent with the body, to be present with the Lord. Life is worth the living. So I want to ask you today, are you living that abundant life? Are you living that abundant life? Jesus says, I've come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, now, don't, don't, don't be fooled, he said. There's a devil. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if there's any destruction, if there's any loss, if there's any death, if there's any pain coming in, he said, the enemy's doing that. Let's don't blame God for that. Well, God wanted me to have this disease to draw me closer to him. God did not want you to have that disease to draw you closer to him. He wants you to draw closer to him. He does. And he'll use whatever to turn it for good. But that disease came from the devil. Because he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give abundant life. Let's not let what the devil does, and it have to be turned for good to get us to God. Let's just choose God now. And when we get to the top of the stairs, and we look, there's a doorknob, doorknob number two, and doorknob number three. Let's let him into that, doorknob, into that room as well. Whatever's in there, whatever's in there, it's not worth you forfeiting his lordship. And the thing is, he already knows. He already knows what's in there. Right? Oh, I'll fix it one day. I'll get that straight one day. And then I can, then I can get back with God. No, it doesn't work that way. If you will confess Jesus Christ is your Lord, 
And if he's not Lord over all, he's not Lord at all. Because the very word Lord means he rules and reigns everything. So have you surrendered everything to him? Maybe you're here this morning and you're identifying this. There's an area of my life that I've been keeping the Lord out of. There's an area of my life I've been keeping my family out of. There's an area of my life I don't even like to go to. I, it's, like, it's like that garage or that storage building that I, I open the door and I throw whatever I need to throw in there and I don't even look and I close the door because I don't want to see the mess. It's still there and it's still affecting you. Is there unforgiveness in that room? Is there bitterness? Is there disappointment? Is there a lifestyle that you know is not pleasing to the Lord? Are you participating in something that you know is not honoring to God? Maybe you're taking into your body things that you know is destroying the temple and you just keep that thing hidden there. Will you open that door and invite him in and say, Jesus, here's the mess. Here's the mess. And, and you're the, you're the, you can come into any mess and bring your message of hope and deliverance. And I need you. I need that my relationships are suffering. My health is suffering. My finances are suffering. Everything is suffering because I'm holding on to this rancid part of my life that needs cleansing, that needs healing, that I need deliverance from. And Jesus, I'm going to make myself vulnerable and I'm just going to invite you into that area as well. Can you identify an area of your life that you need to invite the risen, living Jesus to come and bring his resurrection power. I believe we all probably can.